electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's essential morning show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod, the world's biggest IPO ever, finally. Saudi Aramco shares have begun trading today. To the long-awaited trading. FAA Chief Steve Dixon on getting the Boeing 737 MAX back in the air. It's not happening before 2020. Boeing's plan is not the FAA's plan, but we're going to keep our heads down and, uh, and support the team in getting this work done right. His exclusive interview just before he speaks to Congress. And pot stocks have lost billions since March, but CEO of cannabis portfolio company Acreage says there's no better time to invest. How many people legged out of tech in the early 2000s not to participate in the the Googles, the Amazons. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Wednesday, December 11th, 2019. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Here, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. First up today, the Saudi Aramco IPO. The long-awaited listing has finally happened. Saudi Arabia's state-owned oil company debuted on the country's exchange, the Saudi Tadawal, on Wednesday, making it the largest listed company in the world. Bigger than Alibaba, bigger than Microsoft, bigger than Apple. And when we say long-awaited, we mean long-awaited. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, at the time he was deputy crown prince, floated the idea in January of 2016. And the world's been watching and waiting ever since. Here's Andrew, who's reported on the Aramco journey for years. Saudi Aramco shares have begun trading today uh, after say, the long, long-awaited trading. It's now the world's largest initial public offering. And the stock rose this morning 10% in uh, Riyadh early today. It hit an upward limit that was actually set by Saudi Arabia's exchange, so it couldn't go higher. The listing falls short, though, we should say, of Prince Mohammed uh, uh, bin Salman's uh, original goal. Uh, it did raise $25.6 billion instead of the earlier target of $100 billion. Still, the price gives Aramco a valuation of $1.88 trillion. And it makes it the largest listed company in the world. So I guess what next, right? Well, like, a lot of oil well, is $1.88 trillion is not actually that far off from $2 trillion. So if you're, if you're MBS... I don't think you can totally... You've been doing some research today. Like I did yesterday, I found out what date it was. So 1.88 is not that far from two. I'm just saying that part of, you know, there's been this sort of schadenfreude thing that's been going on for a very long time now, for the past year and a half, about how much he's going to raise, whether he's going to make it work, can he get his $2 trillion. You know, at one point they wanted more more than $2 trillion. Uh, But... 1.88 1.88 is not bad. bad. The, the, question, the question is, is whether this is a, is a, stock exchange and, and whether there's a real valuation. That's the other thing. Right. You know, and, so many of the investors who are in this are local investors. It's such a small piece of it, too. Some of the, it's a small piece. Some of them have actually been loaned money, by the way, by the government. 
So that's why the real question is a little bit of vendor financing. Can it it list on one of these other international exchanges? And what kind of valuation can you get there? If it gets to a London Stock Exchange or a New York Stock Exchange, in in a sort of Uberish way, and I don't, there's not a shot in for it. Does this market? Value these things differently than or, these other. Or markets. we could be looking at the same thing. Exactly. As and, and it's not just and it's not just investor sentiment on where it gets valued. We have another data point today from Chevron or uh, yeah from Chevron, Chevron about the value Valuation of, of things that yes. are in the ground right now. So, I mean, if Chevron says ten billion dollars is we're overvaluing some of these properties that may take much longer to be profitable based on how much it costs because it costs more money. For a lot of these new techniques to get it out of the ground. So if they're acknowledging $10 billion overstatement, you know how the Saudis value all but that here, stuff they got over question, there. So though, who knows if it's 1.8? Is this a valuation right? of oil overall, or is this just those uh, those particular assets in Appalachia, some of the shale that's there? But it, wouldn't, it it affect, to get that but wouldn't it affect the whole? I mean, but that's where it's coming Probably, from. Probably, yeah. yeah. If you think the overall value for oil is not going to rise, just as tell high, you it's that, not going to be as profitable to get that stuff out of the ground. Right. In other uh, trade news, top officials from Canada, Mexico, and the United States signed an overhaul yesterday of the near 25-year-old NAFTA trade back, dubbed the USMCA. We're going to play the song. Uh, we're going to do the symbols. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi signaling the deal could be up for a vote in the House as soon as next week. I mean, it's such a cumbersome name. NAFTA 2.0 is better, or new NAFTA, or whatever. But it, it for better or worse, sounds like the Marine Corps. But as long as we're doing USMCA, it's close enough to YMCA that we're going to we're going to play that song, sure. huh? I, you know, USMCA you, is actually starting to roll off my tongue. I never thought he'll it was. eat eight donuts on the air, but you won't do a symbol for USMCA. Are you uncomfortable with the village people? Why won't you do that? You remember? Did you used to do YMCA? Yeah, I did. I did. But you won't do USMCA, even though it sounds sounds the same. Your your sticks that you come up with every day are much better than that. Is that what is that what you're telling me? Uh, really? Let me know when you come up with I'll, one. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll just let me know. Okay. okay. All right, good. In the meantime. Work on that. I've never been to a Dave & Buster's. You? Yeah, I've been. You? Why am I asking? Dave & Buster's? Are you crazy? There's one in the sit. Do you go? Right over. I have been too many times. Because of the video games? Because of the... Henry and Max. They do. Love it there. And okay. there's a game there that I... There are two games that I'm actually very good at there. Which ones? And I can get the tickets and then we can get prizes. <laughs> Cheap, crappy little prizes that you work so hard for, right? I tell kids all the time, we can just go buy these things on Amazon. You earn them yourself. It's about earning something, Sorkin. You know the you just there's it's a ball thing and you throw it at the at the the things across the way, Uh but there's like almost like like hair coming out of each one. So the no, it's not no. I thought you meant you're sort of throwing at no, you're throwing at these things and. Tipping like them over. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the hair around the side. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it goes through there. You right. think you're going to hit it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm oddly good at that. And then there's another one with a thing where you press a ball and the ball drops into a jar. And you have to get as many balls to drop in the jar as it circles around. I'm also, those what's are my the best counts. prize? What's the best prize? And badminton. But what's the best prize that, um, that you've gotten? It's like a little thing oh, you put on that you no, can't pull. You no, put them the together and you can't thing, pull your best, finger. No, it's no, like made out of plastic. The best thing yeah. we made we out of got, paper. No, the best thing we ever got was a Spider-Man... Um, Where's uh, pancake maker, uh, not pancake maker, a uh, waffle maker. No the way. Waffle maker that has a Spider-Man that's, little. That's a real gift. That's a real. Uh, Trust me. Was a lot, there was a lot of playing involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To get those tickets. Multiple visits. And you've done, you've used it and, and eaten a Spider-Man waffle. We have had a Spider-Man waffle on a Saturday morning. All right. Well, let me. I guess we should. Uh, we, we don't Sorry. have any more time, so we. That's the Dave and Buster's segment. <laughs> yeah, right. Folks. I know. 
Restaurant chain Dave and Buster's reported better than expected sales because of this idiot um, <laughs> for its latest quarter. In sports, a $324 million deal that New York Yankees are betting big on a pitcher Garrett Cole with reports suggesting he's agreed to a nine-year contract with uh, the team that's roughly $36 million a year, hmm. approximately a million dollars per start. Not bad. Uh, the deal would make the 29-year-old the highest-paid pitcher of all time and the fourth player in history to sign a deal worth uh, more than $300 million. Cole led all starting pitchers in strikeouts last season uh, with 26. And we 326. Can, uh, 326, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> 26. <laughs> uh, but I was already thinking about the next thing I was saying. That was comparing it to CEO pay, and then, then we get into the, the whole discussion about that. It's just as... You know, do CEOs have a true marketplace? That's the thing with with boards and everything else. Because this is pure, you know, you pay the guy, you want him, you win. You, By the way, more people come to the stadium. It's a. You he know. was going to be an early. He was, I think, a first round draft pick for the Yankees way back when. But then he decided to go play for UCLA instead. He's a Yankees fan, has been yeah. his whole life. Yeah. So uh, this is a bit of a coming home for him. Talking sports. Farley was yeah. here last week. We had such great. We had a lot of good sports uh, discussions last week. Uh, you're out of. You're completely detached again. We talk about like volleyball, <laughs> badminton. These are games. Why? No, I'm badminton. Saying, badminton. I'm just saying. Volleyball's that. a serious sport. But can be. So yeah. is badminton. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, let's go. Okay. All right. Relax. It's called a tease. But someone. Hanging on the edge of their seat at home. Next on Squawk Pod, the head of the FAA on the tough job of ensuring safety in the sky. What we have done historically in terms of safety is not good enough uh, today, and it's not going to be good enough tomorrow. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. Stand by, Joe. You're listening to Squawk Pod. One is Mike Q. <laughs> You only knew. Good morning and, and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan I'm with Becky Quick. I can't get over it. Andrew, I, we, none of us can. U.S. Equity Future. In the wake of two fatal crashes of Boeing 737 MAX jets in the last year, the Federal Aviation Administration is reportedly working on creating a new safety division to address gaps in its oversight. That's a timely headline today when the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee is holding a hearing on the FAA's oversight of the certification of the 737 MAX. And the key question is when that fleet of jets is safe to return to the air. FAA Administrator Steve Dixon is today's key witness, but before his testimony, he joined Squawk Box for an exclusive interview. That conversation now on the podcast. He joins us exclusively right now for the interview of the morning live from the FAA headquarters with our own Phil LeBeau. Phil. Thank you, Andrew. Steve, let's get right to it. Uh, we're, we're glad Morning, you're joining Phil. us today here on Squawk Box exclusively. The main question everybody has is the 737 MAX, the timing of when it will be recertified and you will lift the grounding. Boeing says it will happen by the end of this year. What's your sense in terms of when you will recertify this plane? Well, thanks for the opportunity to be with you, Phil. And how many times have you heard me say that we're not on any timeline? Uh, we're going to follow every step of the process. 
uh, however long that takes. Uh, there are about 10 or 11 milestones left to complete. We're in the portion of the process right now where we're looking at the uh, software, the validation of the, how the software was developed. That'll take some time, uh, but we'll work through every step of the process very diligently. You're on your own time frame, but let's be clear here. Will this plane be recertified in 2019 by the end of this year? Well, as I said, there are a number of processes that, that uh, milestones that have to be completed. Uh, if you do the arithmetic, uh, each one of these processes is going to take some time. There are a few interdependencies. There are some things that run in parallel. For example, once the design is approved, once we do the certification flight, uh, there are uh, pilot training requirements that have to be defined. Uh, we're bringing in international pilots to help us with that process. And then there will be a report that goes out for public comment. And uh, if, you, if you just do the math, uh, it's going to extend into 2020. So it won't be recertified this year. Do you expect it by the end of January or by the end of February? What, what would you it's, say is realistic? It's, it's impossible to say, Phil. I mean, if I, if I had that kind of a crystal ball, uh, I, would, I would certainly uh, be able to share it. But uh, it's very important that, that our team works very closely with the, uh, uh, the international authorities that have been working with us and with the, uh, with the Boeing team. Uh, to do this right, and we're going to we're going to do it diligently because safety is absolutely our highest priority with this airplane. You've and, made it clear way. here: there is no plans to recertify this this year. It's not going to happen. And yet, when we talk with Boeing, and we've reached out to them last week, they're sticking with this target of we expect recertification in December, potentially commercial service by the end of January. Are you frustrated that Boeing is putting that out there when the reality is the process is not close to that happening? Well, um, again, I understand that uh, a company, a manufacturer in this case, has a project plan with milestones and is devoting resources towards uh, moving things forward. Uh, but again, I've made it very clear that Boeing's plan is not the FAA's plan. We're certainly working very closely together, but we're going to, uh, to keep our heads down and, uh, and support the team in getting this work done right. Has Dennis Mullenberg, CEO of Boeing, or any other Boeing executives, have they made uh, unfair requests, if you will, in terms of put pressure on you and your agency to speed up the process of getting this plane back in the air? Well, I've made it clear that I'm going to support my people, and, uh, and that means they're going to take whatever time it takes uh, to get this process completed and to do it the right way, uh, the way it should be done. Uh, having said that, I would not say that there have been any requests to cut corners there have been uh, discussions from time to time about uh, which processes run in parallel, where the interdependencies are, and those are that's uh, that's dialogue that uh, that is that is uh, that is not counterproductive. But I, I just want to make it clear that we are going to be very diligent about every step of the process, whether it's uh, training or uh, software development, design, uh, or uh, mechanical issues with the airplane. Steve, Andrew has a question for you, Andrew. Steve, um, there's a Wall Street Journal uh, report out this morning uh, suggesting this is going to come up during the hearing, so I wanted to ask, about, ask it to you in advance right now, uh, which is this internal report uh, from 2018 back in November uh, where, this F where the FAA, in terms of analyzing, and this is now after, I believe, the first crash, uh, said that they believed that the, F the MAX could have averaged one fatal crash about every two or three years. So... Knowing that at that time, can you walk us through a little bit of just the thought process and also the pressures that, that the FAA may or may not have felt that they were under um, in terms of keeping that plane in the air? Sure. The, uh, the process that you're referring to 
is a, uh, a risk, uh, risk management process. And one of the reasons that we have the safest aviation system in the world in the United States is because uh, we are very data-driven and, and our data systems have become more, much more sophisticated over the years. And as you have in, in many industries, uh, you use those, uh, that data and those tools to analyze risk. And so there were immediate actions in Emergency Airworthiness Directive uh, after the Lion Air crash, and then the team came together as data came in to, uh, to develop a decision support tool to determine uh, how quickly uh, we needed to move forward with, uh, with the manufacturer with modifications to the aircraft. Steve, it was the, the, the fixes um, that were suggested at the time were inadequate, I think. is more. But, it, but I have a question. It, it says that some of this data-driven stuff is very conservative and that it's sort of looked at as this is a worst-case scenario that's not really reality, and we're, we're talking about it. if it's the absolute worst case, this is what would happen. So it seems like you're saying that so we don't really need to take it that seriously. I'll bet you from now on the worst-case scenario will be thought of as, as de facto. Wouldn't that be a better way to – I mean, why, why do the data? Why do the analysis if you're not going to take it seriously? Well, remember, uh, the uh, uh, grounding an airplane is – uh, really an unprecedented decision. It's only really happened three times uh, in, in our history. And you, we need to understand what the causes of an accident are. And remember, MCAS didn't bring down this airplane by itself. Right. We had uh, maintenance issues with the aircraft. There were uh, issues with uh, how the aircraft was operated. Again, all of these things acting together uh, create a certain level of risk that we need to manage and, uh, and bring down uh, to, uh, to an appropriate level. And we also need to recognize, uh, I would be the first to say, that what we have done historically in terms of safety is not, gonna, is not good enough uh, today and right. it's not going to be good enough tomorrow. So we need to continue to refine and improve these processes. Hey, Steve, another question just about the airline overall. We've been talking about this for months and months, but the idea of is this an incremental change to the aircraft? And I think that gets at the question of what sort of pilot training will be required. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we haven't made a decision on pilot training. Uh, we, we don't want to keep our thumb on the scale on that, frankly. And, uh, you know, Boeing will make a proposal as part of this process. And uh, uh, we will have a team of 16 U.S. and international pilots of various experience levels and various backgrounds that will, uh, that will validate uh, the training uh, proposal in the simulator. And then after that, we will produce an addendum to the Flight Standardization Board report, which is the process by which uh, the airplane is, is certified from a, fr a training and operations perspective. And we want to wait to, uh, for the outcome of that process to, to make that uh, final determination. That, and that, that question of the process for the pilot training, this gets into there's going to be a public comment period behind yes, some will. of these steps which some of those may be, what, 10, 15 days? Yes, yes, So absolutely. even if you add that in, we're looking at a plane that may not be recertified until the end of January. Well, and, and, and you have also, even right now with the master minimum, minimum equipment list, the, the maintenance requirements, we're in a 30-day comment period for that, which started uh, about a week, a little over a week ago. So, again, uh, you can just, as I said, you know, just doing the, the arithmetic on these processes, uh, you see that it pushes uh, into the next year. Steve, one last question. Have you heard from President Trump about the MAX or from anyone in the White House who has said, look, we're coming up on nine months, it'll be a year, 
we need to get this plane back in the air. We need to get Boeing delivering planes again. It's good for the economy. Have you received any pressure at all from no, the White No, I have House? not. No, I have not. This is, this is my decision. This is the agency's decision. Uh, Secretary Chow has been very supportive, uh, and the White House has been very supportive as well. Steve, thank you very much. Right, Steve thanks, Dixon, Phil. the administrator for the FAA, joining us exclusively here on Squawk Box. Uh, guys, just to put a point on this, am I correct? No certification this year. It's not, it's not likely to happen or it won't happen. That's correct, and I'm going to fly the airplane as well, as I said before. Uh, we can't wait to be out there. See what you think when you land it. Guys, back to you. All right, uh, Phil, thank you. Yep, great. Thank you. Coming up, a cannabis CEO on what federal legalization could do for everyone's business. If you want to fuel an illicit business, make it a cash business. Let's not make it a cash business, tax it appropriately, and account for those taxes. Squawk Pod, up in smoke, when we come back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. While we cover the latest corporate, economic, and market headlines on Squawk Box, sometimes other news finds its way into our conversations. Like today, when Joe Kernan asked our senior economics reporter Steve Leisman about NBA great Bill Walton's other passion. I'm going to get in trouble for this. Uh, oh. Just a quick aside, oh, Steve. Boy, when he says it in advance. I know, I know. I mean, just, that's when you know we're, there's a problem, We're always folks. in trouble, Joe. Quick there's nothing aside, you can do. Quick aside. seconds delay, people. Quick aside. We have important people waiting. Jeopardy what last night. Jeopardy last night. Guess how many dead concerts Bill Walton went to at following them around? And I'm just wondering how it compares to you. Well, I, I, I'm going to guess Bill Walton is in the 800 to 1,000 range. And I was a, wow. How much? 850. Yeah. Well done, That's, Steve. I, I know Bill, and I've gotten to know wow. Bill. Bill is a fantastic person who is just so uh, lit up by. His mind um, is gone. And, and I'm, I'm about a hundred. I'm about a hundred. Acreage Holdings on. We're going to have a big cannabis guy on. Yes, and, we are. Uh, I'm about 150, Joe. I did about 150, about 150. in my day. I was at yeah. a few. I was at a when, few. When I was at SUNY Buffalo, Joe, and we had the the newspaper coming out, I was the editor, so I could decide what two weeks we took off. So I planned the two weeks <laughs> around the Grateful Dead Spring for doing and this, fall I had tours. To ask, it was on Jeopardy, and you know Alex Trebek and Van is hosting. You know Wheel I'm of impressed. Fortune. Eight hundred fifty. How many Steve. of the one hundred and fifty do you remember? About half. What was the? I don't remember. What, what are you talking about? So I can't even remember what you're exactly. talking about. Anchorage Holdings is on. See, anyway. I remember all of them. Okay. Okay. They're all great. All right. The largest marijuana conference in the world kicking off this week. But so far this year, many investors have already seen their investments go up in smoke. Jane Wells joins us now from Las Vegas with more on the challenges that have been facing the industry. Jane. 
Hey, yeah, guys, we have 35,000 attendees, 1,300 exhibitors. MJ BizCon is the largest marijuana conference, and it's happening at a really, you know, tough time for a whole lot of reasons. Look at this big number. The top six publicly traded cannabis companies have lost a combined $25 billion in market value since the end of March. And so everyone from Canadian companies to American investors are hoping it's bottoming. All right, uh, Jane, we're, uh, we've got a, a special guest. You might uh, want to stay tuned for this. More on the cannabis industry. We're joined by Kevin Murphy, CEO of Acreage Holdings. Do you think the, the, the recent action in the stock is just growing pains uh, or, or in the industry in general? Or does it point to it maybe being problematic that we actually get to where there's a federal legalization near term? I think all markets will ebb and flow. Um, is that what today, this is? I think so. Today we're in a, a, a 2008 event for cannabis, but um, we know that there was a 2009, 2010, 2011, and from our vantage point, um, cannabis is being one of the fastest growing industries in the United States today. Um, so is we Juul. will see clearly the backside of this, and I believe at this point there's no better time to invest. How many people legged out of tech? in the early 2000s not to participate in the, the Googles, the Amazons. And yeah, so they, I think... They, just with that comparison, they, they also didn't participate in the Pets.coms and others that disappeared. No, no, no. And that's where you differentiate between a number of the expert players in this space. Clearly, there's a differentiator between the haves and have-nots, for sure. But, Kevin, it's going to be federally legalized recreational use of cannabis is the, the end goal. When do you... No? I think there's a number of goals along the the way that gets us there. Today, 33 states have a medical program, of which 11 have an adult use program. So we believe the opportunity set in those states is extraordinary. You say 2020 is going to be a great year. Every Democratic candidate wants to legalize it. Joe Biden is on record saying the same thing he said back in 2010. He said, "I I believe it's a gateway drug. And legalization is a mistake. They ask him that again, and he says he still has the same feeling. So not every Democrat, the leading Democratic candidate is not for legalization. Well, uh, Vice President Biden does advocate for states' rights, as does the President of the United States. So he's talking about federal, just the federal one he might oppose, but whatever the states do. Sure, but what we're really striving for is federal permissibility, making it okay to uh, utilize the plant in the states where it's legal. And today it's 33 states, okay. and the opportunity set but there is quite extraordinary Federal is a big force. deal, though, because you can't do the banking, interstate banking, if it's not Well, federal, federal is a big deal, but I can look at it quite differently and say um, it gives my company a huge advantage now that a lot of the larger consumer product players can't be in it today, which gives me the opportunity to grow acreage, to be ultimately, when it is federally legal, to be a global dominant player alongside of canopy growth. Here's the other issue with not being federally approved, and that is that there is not federal oversight and regulation. We've spoken with Scott Gottlieb, the former head of the FDA, about that. I I think there are questions about what you can really trust with these things, because lots of tests have shown that the amount of CBD or the amount of marijuana or THC in any of these uh, products is not always as advertised, and there's not federal. And that side. needs to change. I, for one, believe that we have to really create more predictable, dosable product offerings for people that can rely on what they're using. And that's where 
I think, descheduling or rescheduling this drug. Today, it's a narcotic, a Schedule One drug with no testing. And from our vantage point, that has to change for sure and really bring to light what really the majority of this country believe. And they believe that this plant should be available for adult use and more than 90% of this country believes it has medicinal value. When you have con- we, we have on the screen here, cannabis and banking. When you talk to CEOs of banks about working with you in this industry, what do they tell you? We'd love to have the opportunity to bank you and the rest of your colleagues. That's what I'm hearing. Um, but I believe safe banking is around the corner. Right. I truly believe that There are three major issues why safe banking needs to be available. Number one, it takes people out of harm's way. People are at risk transacting in a a cash business. You still think it's a cash business? Pardon? It's still a cash business. It is predominantly. We are afforded the opportunity um, to use debit cards and other forms of payment, but the smaller players don't have that advantage. And from our vantage point, it's unfortunate. Um, There's no reason why one would have to pay their taxes with um, truckloads of cash. It just doesn't make sense. And if you want to fuel an illicit business, make it a cash business. Let's not make it a cash business, tax it appropriately, and account for those taxes. That's what we're striving for. Those those numbers on the stocks, that's more than ebb and flow, but maybe it has to do with the euphoria that, that was in the marketplace pre-2019, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that the overall story has changed down the road. The overall story hasn't changed. But and, got ahead, and they all were way ahead of themselves. They may have been, but I'm a believer that they will catch up okay. and they'll surpass that. Right. And so from our vantage point, um, again, you know, look back to 2008 where you could have bought a number of stocks at their all-time lows, and they were either taken out or prospering years later. Right. So we have had huge momentum in 2019 with safe banking in the House overwhelmingly passing. We've had uh, the MORE Act coming out uh, with very, very positive uh, indications out of Congress, and yeah. I think it's just a matter of time. You can do 100 push-ups, Sorkin, this dude. Minimum. Minimum 100. So you give me one of them CBD gummies, I'll say, ah, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, no, no, with I'll CBD, to- I, I was only able to then do Then you might do it next no, week. No, no, I was only able to do 40 before that. Now it's 100. Come on. No, it's absolutely you true. you no pain? Or? No, no, no. I'd blow off the entire workout if I got high, <laughs> I think. I might, I'll do it next week, maybe. He's got inflammation. Inflammation is That's true. the no, THC side of it. The, actually, the, not, this, not the gummies. Just saying. Yeah. I get let, it's not a big motivation booster, marijuana. <laughs> let me just tell you that. You heard? I've heard that. I've heard that. I'm here every day, so you can tell that I'm not uh, it's long. Way in the past. Anyway, thank you. Appreciate it's a pleasure. It. I right. appreciate 100 push-ups, minimum. <laughs> one sitting, right? Not, not set. Not more than one set. One time. Wow. That's the show for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. David Butt, are you crazy? There are two games that I'm actually very good at there. Which ones? And I can get the tickets and then we can get prizes. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod. We're available free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.